Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome, welcome, welcome to NFL Trend Zone. We're going to cover all of the NFL topics from the week. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Jason Mullen, Wesley Johnson, and our guest, Cody from Texas, is going to come and discuss all of these topics with us tonight. We've got a litany of stuff from rookie performances in the preseason to some of the analytic stuff Kyle Shanahan is doing, preseason trade happenings and theories, coach hot seats, and we'll lead off with the Denver quarterback news where Bridgewater was nominated the starter over Drew Locke. But first, per usual, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. If you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you can go to win money today, whether it's live bets during games or futures. For who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your sports betting needs. For example, Patrick Mahomes is the front runner to win the NFL MVP award. If you believe he will take home that trophy, go to betonline.ag and gamble on it. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before you go to the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start betting today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently NBA player, former NBA player Lamar Odom might be returning professional basketball in Spain soon. Uh, there was a press release about a supplement that he was taking of the pH balancing alkaline variety called Balance 7. And that's what's helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need the energy to level up. And if you saw any of his fight with Aaron Carter in July, you'll figure out that it's safe to say Balance 7 is working for him. Uh, the cool thing is there's promotion running on Balance 7 right now. If you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code B-L-E-A-V, believe, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. The product retails for $13.99, so it is worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BLEAV at your checkout. Uh, it worked for Lamar Odom, so it can work for you as well. First thing we're going to get into is the Broncos news. Uh, we've got Jason, who begrudgingly joined us tonight. Uh, it did not go in his favor, the quarterback battle, but it is the biggest news of the day and arguably of the week. The Broncos, up until today, were the only team, in my opinion, that had a true blue quarterback battle where we didn't have any idea who was going to be the starter. Of course, you have the Niners ordeal, and that could go either way. But this was the one where two veterans were heading into camp, and they were going to have an honest-to-goodness quarterback battle. And guess what? They did it. They chose Teddy Bridgewater, which surprised me. Um, I thought they would go with Drew Locke with youth and upside, but instead they're going with safety and Bridgewater. And I have several takes that I want to get off my chest with that, but we will start with Cody, who's a first-time guest of this show. He was on our Vikings show last year. But Cody, were you surprised by Bridgewater as a, the guy with Denver? Uh, thanks for having me on. And I got to say, uh, I definitely was. I thought that if Drew Locke shown any competence at all this preseason, he would definitely be given the shot. Uh, you definitely got to point out Bridgewater's uh, lack of passing touchdowns and things like that to elevate the offense. That's obviously a lot of what people were hoping Drew Locke could do. So now it's going to be interesting to see uh, how long Bridgewater can hold on to this battle because I don't think very many people saw him coming to take it like this. 
the good news is we went through this schedule and Jason probably knows it like the back of his hand. There is a feasible pathway to three and one or so, or maybe even better than that. So whoever was going to be the nominee had a pretty nice setup based on what the NFL gave them. I thought that would be locked to get him confidence and to get QB wins under his belt in year three, but they chose Bridgewater, who is a George Payton, uh, I guess, how can I say that? He was drafted by Peyton, and I think the ties run deep that mm-hmm. he found his way back to a, a Vikings front office guy with uh, Broncos new general manager. Um, so, indeed, their schedule out of the gate is easier than most, and it surprised me that they wouldn't give that to a young quarterback rather than somebody who I already know what we're getting. Wes, and, oh, sorry, Cody. Uh, and, you know, we really should have seen it coming with uh, their co- head coach over there is a lot like Mike Zimmer. So. Yeah. And, you know, Mike Zimmer always preached for that ball security and giving his defense a chance. And from what we could tell, it's almost like Minnesota 2.0 over there, 2.0 over there with uh, Patton over there. I think that if Locke is like the future uh, of the Broncos, at least that's what Elway perceived. Uh, the future is now for Fangio. He's got to, his future is in September. He's got to win. It's year three. If they don't make the playoffs, he's gone. I think everybody believes that. So. He's looking at his own future, thinking we got to get some W's out of the gate, and Teddy gives me the best chance to do that. Wes, yep. what do we got on the Broncos stuff before we get to uh, Bowen's soliloquy? Yeah, I, I, I think it was a mistake. Um, you have a third-year quarterback, uh, dealt with some injuries last year. Um, you know, obviously, players can't force the injuries. And I, I think it kind of messed up his rhythm in his second season. Um, you spent a second round pick on him in 2019. Uh, he's supposed to be the guy. Uh, like I said, it's his third year. A lot of quarterbacks take that third year leap, um, which it's all fine and dandy. You go with Teddy Bridgewater, but at the same time uh, in the draft, you, you were in prime position to take uh, Justin Fields and you passed on him for uh, uh, Patrick Sertain, which uh, if that's the avenue that you're going to take, uh, I, I think you want to push all your chips in on the prospect that you have at quarterback and give it a go with him. So it's it's surprising. I think it's the, the wrong move. Um, it devalues some of their uh, wide receiver talent, uh, KJ Hamler. Um, Sutton, uh, Judy should do fine along with Fant as, uh, Teddy likes the intermediate passing more than the, the long bombs, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's the, the wrong move. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll let Jason take it home from here. I think before I want to point out that to an extent, the Vikings fans, the two of you is on this context uh, of this conversation we're relatively anti-teddy here so th- that's some objectivity for for the for the listeners all right jason this is your time to spout pout do it all we want to hear it yeah i'm still just at a loss <laughs> I, I i mean wes i mean you nailed it i i cannot so here's the situation you know when it when the quarterback competition um you know uh started to surface last off season. And they thought about, you know, who are we going to bring in to compete with drew? 
um, you know, that was before the draft and, you know, people were uncertain if they were going to go with a Fields or a Jones or, you know, somebody like that. I, I love the Patrick Sertan pick even more now than I did then. Um, just by, you know, watching him in person, I guess he's going to be a freak. So I, I would, I think they nailed it there, but you, you cannot go this direction. I mean, you give drew this, if the competition was close, which it is, and he all throughout camp, more touchdowns and less picks than Teddy came out against your guys Vikings and just looked phenomenal. I mean, Hey, what are you five for seven? That deep ball, which you're never going to see from Teddy. Um, and then I don't understand how this happened. I just don't understand. So the competition is close. You have to roll with drew. And if you're that concerned, you put him on a very, very short leash, and then you still have Teddy to come in. You cannot go the other way around. What are you going to do if Teddy is not moving the needle? You're going to bring Drew in? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep. <laughs> that's it. And then, Wes, you nailed it. Uh, completely devaluing these, these receivers that have contracts coming up. Sutton, yeah, I mean, what, what must he be thinking? You know, some of the people I'm close with out in Denver – have basically let me know that, you know, because I mean, all last week they thought it was going to be Drew. Fangio might even just let Drew start this second preseason game. Well, that didn't happen. And then Teddy goes off and he goes up, does his thing against the, against the Seahawks. And then all of a sudden it's a completely different role. I, I just don't understand. I'm so perplexed right now that, yeah, Judy's going to have Judy and Fan. You nailed it, Wes. I mean, these other guys aren't going to, oh man. Oh, geez. <laughs> I just, I don't it limits know how, your playbook. It, limits it really your playbook. does. It really does. And I don't know. And I, and here's the thing I, before this all started, I was hoping for, for a Teddy Bridgewater to come in because I have liked Teddy ever since he was with Minnesota and even right out of Louisville, but what that's been eight years ago, seven. Yep. Um, if it wasn't for his injury, I mean, I, I really liked the direction he was going and I don't know how, I mean, I saw what he did with Robbie Anderson last year. Robbie Anderson was on my fantasy team and he came out and impressed every week. It seemed like he was doing something good. And I don't know if that was because Teddy was getting in the ball and he was making things happen after the play or after the catch, but uh, I don't want we'll to wait and see. I haven't watched enough of Teddy Bridgewater to know if it is all, what you guys say it is just a short intermediate passes. That's all I hear. Well, with Teddy, it's going to be, I mean, he's, he, it's not total dink dunk. He does throw yeah. underneath more, more. So um, he, 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 he's like an intermediate passer. He just doesn't have a rocket launcher for an arm and he never has. However, you will be pleasantly surprised that down the stretch of games, he is incredibly good. He's calm. And he's accurate. And that was the reason that we were so excited is because we had a, a mini version of a Captain Cool uh, with the Vikings. And he was doing that when he was 21 and 22. And yeah. had he not been uh, hurt in about to almost to the day five years ago now, he'd still be the quarterback for the Vikings, I'm convinced. Um, but you know, that's not how fate goes sometimes. Uh, oh, man, I've got a lot on this topic. So I'm going to start with. This continues the odyssey at quarterback um, where John Elway has struggled to find his successor to Peyton Manning. Today was the latest chapter in that. 
that it's on to the next guy. And it doesn't have to be that way all season. In theory, Bridgewater could struggle, and then Locke would have to seize uh, the day when he got in to make the impact. But we don't know if that'll happen because Bridgewater usually entices you enough to win ball games and get you to the wild card. That's kind of the vibe he has. He went undefeated with the Saints. That did gloriousness for his career. It convinced the general public that he was still good enough. And lo and behold, he got the contract with the Panthers for a year. They decided to replace him with Darnold, which, by the way, is the guy that replaced him with the Jets when he first got out of Minnesota. And now he's supplanted Locke. So it's, it's a real kick in the head for what Elway has tried to do. I think this is, the, this is the fifth or the sixth one that he's tried since Manning that hasn't quite worked out. That's not to say that Locke can't still make the most of it, but this was a at least a comma, maybe not a period in his career. And he's, he's so young that uh, I... I couldn't understand how out of the gate you wouldn't go with the youngster. And if indeed he's still no good or last year was more reality than when he was good in 2019, then you make the pivot to Bridgewater, who is safe, who is very safe, maybe safe to a fault. They decide not to do that. I think they want to win now. And to get through that cakewalk schedule, Bridgewater gives them the best chance to win. It also sets them up prime time for the, the Rogers sweepstakes at uh, it's not even this time next year. It's like nine months from now that he's going to be there. We think if it doesn't go well with the, the Packers and they lose the NFC championship or before again, that they're going to look around. And if Bridgewater you know, got them to nine and eight or so, they're going to look at that roster and think, God, if Rogers were there, he could add three or four more wins. And then boom, it's Peyton Manning all over again. So this really, to me, sweetens the Rogers sweepstake sweepstakes. If, uh, if Bridgewater is just good enough to be decent. And then uh, I'd be remiss not to repoint out what Wes did, that it makes the lack of the fields pick even more perplexing because I thought they didn't go fields because they were going to get Rogers. I was wrong about that. They did not. Rogers stayed in Wisconsin. And then I thought, okay, this is, they still believe in Locke. Nope, they don't. They, they chose Bridgewater over fields. That's what we're staring at right now. Yeah, I, I, I just, I can't believe that if, if now, if Teddy came in there and blew him out of the water, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. I get that. But the the strides and the development, the time invested in, in Drew and the draft pick there, I figured he's the investment. If it's anywhere close, or even if Locke might have been just a little bit be behind, you still roll with him. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think this also shows that perhaps Elway is not running the show anymore. We thought mm-hmm. maybe he was the silent partner or the puppet master, and maybe maybe he's actually he did take that step back. You know, the one that he took a step back, but he was actually a promotion for himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a vintage Elway step back. Everybody thanked himself. Oh, yeah. When, <laughs> when John Fox got the axe, he said, I want to yeah. start this press conference by thank, thanks to John Elway. <laughs> John <Yeah>. Fox. <laughs> like, it, it just it blows my mind that that could happen. He did it again, though. Oh, did he? Yeah, like last year, <laughs> he fucking thanked himself again. Oh, it's just tremendous. Yeah, it's right, wonderful. Any, anything else on the Broncos topic before we go into some trade stuff? All I got to say is good luck, Teddy Bridgewater, because John Elway's still paying for that Super Bowl win with uh, Peyton Manning by sacrificing a quarterback every year. Yeah, no, he's already, no, he, he uh, uh, Cody, he already paid for that. He sold his soul. 
to the devil <laughs> for that one. Well, it seems like you bring someone in every year just to make sure there'll never be a starter again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it does seem that way. The best part of, on selling his soul to the devil, Jason's been saying that for like three years now. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a, a new thing that's really pissed him off. It's that ever since Paxton Lynch didn't work out, and after every three and out during the season, uh, I get some sort of vibe in my head that says, oh, Jason's just thinking that this deal with the devil is so real. <laughs> oh, man, it's haunting. <laughs> All right, uh, Wes, we forgot uh, to talk about some of the trade action that's been going on during our show last week. So catch us up to speed and give us some some fodder to talk about. Yeah, uh, the big one this morning, uh, Patriots trade Sonny Michelle to the Rams. Uh, for a mid-round pick, more than likely a uh, fourth-round uh, pick uh, compensatory if uh, the Rams get the fourth-rounder for um, John Johnson, the safety. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, it'll be a, a fifth and a sixth. Uh, Seahawks also traded for defensive back John Reed from Houston Texans. And, yeah. That's what we got so far for trades. I think there's opportunity for additional trades to happen um, in the the coming week, week and a half before the season starts. The Sony Michelle deal should be a case study in that there is no science for NFL trades. I I don't know if he was a roster bubble guy, but he is, you know, we always laugh about James Conner. He's that like, he's not flashy. He's a guy who carries the ball and gets a few yards when he does it. And that's fine. That's Patriots put those guys to work every single year and they make it work. Um, But when I saw that it can very easily climb to a fourth, it's usually the Rams and these deals that makes me try to figure it out. And as evidenced in them trading all of their first round picks every single year, uh, (laughs) it was no first rounder this year, but I think their front office just, Thing, meh, it's a draft pick. Nobody cares about those. That's what they must do because I would have at this time last night predicted if Michelle was on the move, it would have be for a sixth or a seventh rounder, one of them. Instead, it's a fourth and maybe something else or just a fourth. And then, I mean, that starts to make guys like Devin Singletary or David Montgomery worthy of seconds and firsts and it's wild. Yeah. And let's see, didn't you, wasn't there some trade ideas you wanted to run by us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with uh, the injuries the Jets have along the defensive end uh, position, um, trading to a team that has depth, like Minnesota has depth at defensive end, especially after the, um, the signing of Everson Griffin. Um, Philly has a has depth at tight end. Uh, they've been trying to move Zach Ertz. I think a reunion with Jordan Hicks, uh, who's uh, kind of the odd man out in the linebacker core in Arizona, would make some sense. Um, Nick Foles, he's you know third on the the depth chart at quarterback, so he could obviously be somebody that could at least fill in as a backup. Um, and, you know, back to Denver even, uh, you know, what better time than now to make a move? You talk Rodgers, but what about Matt Ryan? Uh, I think, you know, Drew Locke and a couple first could probably pry Matt Ryan from the Falcons and, you know, really restart their rebuild, but at, at least give them a shot to 
bounce back in you know a year or two. Why wouldn't that have happened by now? Um, good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what would they have been I, waiting for? I'm sure Atlanta's you know dead set with Ryan. They probably believe that they can turn things around before his tenure concludes, but. Uh, I, I just don't know if I see it with with him still on the roster. Well, Dustin, the answer to that question for you, I think I think you nailed it um, in your little uh, piece about Denver. I mean, I think I mean, they're sitting on about thirty five million in cap room right now, and I think that the the Watson or the Rogers um, is is I think George Payton's been thinking about that ever since March. Yeah, I didn't even think it when I uh, threw out that Rogers piece in my little speech about the Broncos. That also should include Watson and maybe Wilson if they don't come to a kumbaya next time, next year, anyhow. Yeah, next yeah. off season. That's yeah, I don't it. think he'd want to. Yeah, I don't think he'd want to. You know, just because he has that money, I don't think he'd. I think he'd rather spend it on one of those three guys than Matt Ryan. Would Would Fangio have come out and named Teddy the QB one, and then they go find a way to get? Ryan or Watson, I, I, they can do anything, but it, it, it seems like I don't the Matt Ryan thing would be very cool because I think he would thrive in Denver. And I even had some analogy a month ago or so. That was exactly that. If you put Matt Ryan on the Broncos, all of a sudden it's like, sweet, they got Matt Ryan. They're going to go play <laughs> when he's on the Falcons. It's like, Oh, how long till he is done there? That's what it feels right. like. It does. Yeah. It feels that way. Yeah, I'd so, like to touch on some of those trades. Yeah, uh, let's hear them. So I had a few trades that I thought of. Uh, first off, I want to touch on the Sony Michelle one. Mm-hmm. Whenever I heard he got traded to the Rams for that conditional fourth, it was like, man, really? I mean, he's pretty much Todd Gurley 2.0. He has torn up his knees. He kind of offers the same ability in space as in being able to juke left and right, things like that. They could have gotten Royce Freeman maybe from cuts. They could have traded for David Johnson. I mean, all types of moves that would have been better than that. The Rams are, they're an enigma, but I mean, they're probably going to go to the playoffs this year. They have something figured out that the rest of the league isn't really messing with. And then uh, a couple other trades, Gardner Minshew to Atlanta for something like Hayden Hurst, something I would be really interested in. I love Gardner Minshew. Don't think he'll really have a chance to ever shine in Jacksonville. It actually doesn't look like Trevor Lawrence will maybe get his (laughs) chance to shine, but we'll touch on that later. Uh, then uh, kill Harry to the Raiders is something else that I would have liked to see. Uh, Brian Edwards is kind of their only big body target over there and he hasn't really caught anything. And then, uh, a few others would be Jamison Crowder to the chargers, Nick Foles to Dallas, and then maybe a 49ers defensive lineman to the jets. Mm. Maybe like a Jordan Willis. Yeah. The jets are without Carl Lawson. And he was for sure a starter. And then Vinny Curry, he wasn't yeah. a starter, is he? Uh, rotational. At least a rotational piece. Okay. Yeah. So they are down to nubbins. Is this like uh, you know backup types that are going to be starting on the edges of their line? That's what it's looking like. Yeah. But I am really buying into the environment that the new head coach is putting in over there. I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson. And uh, some of the things the players are coming out and saying, even after these injuries, you'd see the Jets in the past say, oh, well, this is our luck. Yeah. But this year, they're saying the standard's still high, which need is pa- kind need of pa- ironic as a Jets person to be saying that. Need a, need a pass rush, though. 
for sure, for sure. We <laughs> saw what that was like last year. <laughs> and, then, and then the best thing of all, they don't have Gase anymore. I mean, that's just yes. <laughs> this one from an ex Gase guy. Yeah, where is he? Where's Gase at now? Out of football, taking right advantage now, of some high school. Go yeah. good. He should be out of football for sure. He should. He should yeah, man. <laughs> I hope he thanks Peyton Manning every single day for yeah, those jobs that he's had. Is it me or did everybody know Gase wasn't going to work with the Jets since his first interview? <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the eyes. You ever see those pictures that they share on first take? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks all drugged up. Yeah. What is wrong said, with this guy? You said Foles to the Cowboys. Is that just insurance? See, yeah, I think that would be interesting. Uh, the Cowboys did say something about maybe Dak's injury lasting into the year, and that's going to be with, uh, I think, in his back. I'm not too sure about that. It was just a strain. Uh, I haven't watched the most recent episode of Hard Knocks, but the last episode they were still dealing with it. Um, yeah, I think that Nick Foles, really he should be cut from Chicago, making that much money to be a third stringer. That has to be a record. Um <laughs> But I think the Cowboys, with their backups over there behind Dak, especially after the year they had last year when he went down, I don't have faith in that um, rookie they had last year, Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci. Cooper Rush, maybe. Oh, Garrett Gilbert. I mean, (laughs) who is Garrett Gilbert? Right. (laughs) He was the no, Hall of I Fame mean, game. Where's eating Gary Gilbert? Yeah. <laughs> he started the NFL Hall of Fame game, my friend, is who he is. Yeah. I mean, more respect <laughs> to him for being in the league. But, yeah. I mean, behind Dak Prescott, we've already shown. I mean, he didn't learn from Tony Romo. Come on, Jerry. Get a better backup <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have uh, the trade items and then do you want to us recap us on some of the rookies that stood out in preseason or are, or are standing out yeah I, I can go through a few mm-hmm. and if you guys want to grab some to go for it sure um mac jones he's uh he had another solid week uh 13 for 19 for 146 yards uh i really think with this cam newton um COVID situation that um, it's Mac Jones' job to lose right now for for week one. I I think that um, that kind of put the nail in the coffin for Cam Newton's potential comeback. I know last week I spoke on um, how I I think, you know, it's Newton's job to lose, but um, with him being out and away from the team for at least five days and just how ready Jones has looked. Uh, I, I think it's, it's his job to lose at this point. Um, another one, uh, defensive back, Nate Hobbs from Las Vegas. Um, he had a interception. He, he is quick. Um, the interception that he got in the game, he was in cover three on the outside and, he left his his closest man when he saw um, his teammate get beat over the top, caught up with this guy and picked off the ball that was going for him. So um, I know we talked in the off season about 
um, the Raiders and their need for defensive uh-huh. back help. And it looks like they finally got a guy in Hobbs. So, And then uh, the other one that you were touting uh, earlier was Quiddy Pay. And yeah. uh, so he had to be good enough via scouting report in the draft for the Colts to say sayonara to Justin Houston. And Justin Houston is a man with a battle-tested resume. So pay so far is showing the part. And uh, he was one that most foresaw as to be a, a somewhat sure thing. And in the preseason, anyhow, it's panning out. And it's just a testament, again, to that Colts front office. It always seems to make the right move. And then on Wilson, um, it seems like he, as of now, in just preseason, the, 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 one, the one dude that across the board is getting a five-star review. And I think we'd, it's tempting to fall into that Jets trap that Cody was talking about. Um, perhaps it's a new era there. Uh, but with uh, Soleil, <clears throat> I think you really have to give this one a chance because it's the anti-gaze. He's not weird. Uh, he doesn't do dumb shit. <laughs> and he's cool. And Gase was none of those things. So I think Soleil coming from uh, Wesley's neck of the woods in San Francisco with a defensive pedigree backbone and you have an upstart quarterback with Wilson who looks like he has the tools. Uh, I'm not low on the Jets like you just have to do by instinct. Uh, I think they're exciting. It's just that pass rush is going to – if they were going to be good, lack of pass rush is going to set them back because you cannot go into an NFL season in a pass-happy league and just sort of get pressure when the back half of the defense isn't stellar. And even if the back half of the defense isn't stellar, you still have to have some semblance of a pass rush because that's when mediocre quarterbacks look fantastic when they can just sit in the pocket. And Saleh, he actually, uh, before he went to San Francisco, he was a special teams coordinator for the Jets. Uh, I remember seeing him race up and down the sideline with the the kickoff coverage. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Uh, So (laughs) I, I think he knows that front office and, uh, I, I think he's the right fit for uh, the Jets. So, Jason, on a uh, uh, topic of the uh, Broncos, it's not melancholy. Do you foresee that Javante will get the bulk of the carries, or will that be a split? With you know, I think it's going to be a split. I, I mean, maybe down the down the tail end. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they could go, they could go fifty fifty on that, but I think they're going to run Gordon as much as they can. Last year of his deal with the team. Um, you know, I'd I would try certainly to get as much out of that guy as you possibly could. Um, we know, I think, you know, Javante has shown, yeah, I don't want to say he's shown enough because it's preseason. You're going against second and third string guys, but he's looked, he's looked good. Um, you know, they didn't trade up to, to grab him for nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, just to touch on the, some of those rookies you guys were talking about, I don't know. I'm sure you guys are aware, but I'm just looking at. PFF, um, I know that's not the end all be all gospel or anything like that, but uh, Mac Jones is the only player out of the top 10 from week one and week two to be on the list both both weeks and mm. respectively um, week two was number one and week one or week one was number two and week two was number one. So top two both weeks. Um, Patrick Sertan was up in there too. Um, the only player out of all those rookies to make it both weeks. Yeah, maybe Pretty impressive. Maybe we, especially me, were too low on Mac Jones. I just thought it was wizardry that he jumped because I, I found, gosh, back in 
February, I found a mock draft that was somewhat or pretty credible, at least in terms of who wrote it, that said Mac Jones to the Vikings in round two after they had magically traded back up in the second round. And I remember thinking, we don't want this guy. <laughs> this guy's like cousins and people want to get rid of cousins. Why would you go to Mac Jones, who is going to be a stretch to pick him in the second round? Next thing I knew, he was going to go third to the Niners. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was just a bunch of smoke, but it appears, especially if Belichick has taken a flyer on him, that there's probably something to it. And through a couple of preseason games, uh, he's played well. Um, and Newton has actually looked pretty good, but uh, the coronavirus stuff is going to throw a monkey wrench into it because that's what the coronavirus does. So, And the only other quarterback that made the list on those two weeks was, uh, was Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. I don't know that from what I saw, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, I agree with that, Cody. I'm not so sure uh, Lawrence is going to get off to the best of starts down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, have you tried ranking your rookie quarterbacks after the last two weeks? Because <laughs> I feel guilty taking Lawrence out of the top three, but it just feels right to do that. Yeah. We you, did always a, gotta, you always got to play the long game with these dudes. Yeah. 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 Of course, of course. We did, uh, and Lawrence uh, is in the worst of situations, of course. Well, some yeah. people could argue Zach Wilson too, but you know, I mean, after the new uh, regime over there, it, it doesn't doesn't feel like the Jets of even last year. Well, yeah. the Jaguars don't feel any different than they have been before, which is <laughs> kind of scary for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they're taking yeah. a running back in the first round. We're about to see. Oh, and he's out for, the, out, out for the year, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, running backs have to. They have to this, miss a lot of time with those list Frank injuries from planting and juking and putting weight on it. And these are the <laughs> same Jaguars that were a couple plays away from the Super Bowl three and a half years ago. So never, and, 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 never and, forget uh, it. And who quarterback that team? Good old Blake Bortles. <laughs> I think the same <laughs> thing happened uh, Maurice Jones-Drew with the Jaguars, too. Took him out for at least a year. Mm. Yeah, two years before that uh, almost Super Bowl run, Dustin, because we watched that at Champs in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. Two mm-hmm. years before that. While we were sitting there having dinner, you researched. You didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Blake Bortles, thirty-five touchdowns to fourteen interceptions. Two yep. years before that, in twenty fifteen. Yep, that's oh, when man. Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, uh, and there was one other dude that was catching all those. But yeah, that was that was Keenan, his. Keenan Cole. Yeah, yep. That was that was his his big year. And some of I think they were only five and eleven or something that year. So some of those indeed came in real garbage time. But still, that number is impressive to get to. And he's on Bortles' free agent that probably should be a backup quarterback somewhere. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's afraid of uh, Urban Meyer coaching that team. Definitely not. No, he gets on my nerves, and that's just because he's brought that college supreme ruler feel um, from having that clout with Ohio State to Florida and trying to do that in NFL. And NFL is a little bit more collaborative in the way that you run an organization or when he tried to – slide that domestic abuser onto a staff. The media was like, nope, <laughs> nope we're going to dig on this guy. They just make some questionable decisions, even with Urban Meyer. Like uh, their rookie corner in the first round last year, top 10 pick, CJ Henderson, wasn't even listed on the depth chart. I really? know he's coming back from injury, but they, he was dri- um, waved around in trade offers and discussions yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, so what are you even doing over there? He has to have talent <laughs> to at least compete on that Jacksonville defense. Yeah. Right. Well, they did cut Tebow, though. So, I mean. Thank just, did y'all see that block he, he <laughs> tried to lay out? Well, just think of, the way out. That, think of the way that uh, systematically they've deconstructed their AFC championship roster as almost like 
we like it was a task they're like well that was that felt a little too good so we can't have that again we're going to get rid of Jalen Ramsey we're going to get rid of unique or uh, unique Ngankwe and Clayus Campbell it was like the somebody said like all right we that was our Super Bowl so rebuild the only thing they needed to do is get a new quarterback yeah really that's it yep and I, I I can't understand how they were so close to um knocking the Patriots out and then their response was to slowly but surely get rid of everything that got you there because that defense right. was on paper as good as the the Vikings that year the 2017 Vikings and uh, it, uh, it would be painful to have experienced that as a Jags fan and then say well that that was it for these 10 years let's rebuild it sucks yeah had they gotten to the Super Bowl it would have been ranked up there with some of the better ones of the decade. Yeah. It would even be comparable to the, to the Seahawks of 13 or Denver of mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the likelihood, even if they kept them all together, that the ball would have bounced the same way that following year. And they would have been as good is probably unlikely, but mm-hmm. it still would have been good. Just fix the quarterback position. Yeah. We were, uh, two weeks away from Bortles versus Keenum in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, before I forget, I wanted to ask you guys: Does 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 Bridgewater have a better arm than Keenum? Better? Hmm. Or I mean, I mean, not necessarily no. better in terms of accuracy, no. but in Keenum can <laughs> throw it further, huh? Yeah, he yeah. put up fifty plus touchdowns at Houston, right? Wasn't he Houston quarterback? Yeah, he was the air raid guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Okay, I think he either held that record for a long time, or he still does. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was. All right, Wes, you want to talk, touch on analytics, and then we're going to run through hot seat coaches. Um, but why don't you give us the analytics speech, and then Cody can react to that. And we'll. Yeah. Uh, I was reading some uh, interesting information from um, David uh, Lombardi, who covers the 49ers. I don't like 49ers. his last name already. <laughs> <laughs> he covers the 49ers. He's saying that uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to bring an analytic approach to the quarterback position, uh, which he already uses at other positions. Um, that way he can kind of get Trey Lance on the field, uh, accentuate his booms, minimize his bus um, in specific leverage situations. Uh, I liken it to um, a souped up version of the wildcat scenario. Um uh, and Lombardi followed that up today after practice and said that um, he mixed and matched with Garoppolo and Lance with both the first and second team offenses. Shanahan even swapped quarterbacks multiple times mid-drive based on down distance <laughs> and defense. Um, I think, you know, if he does it, this copycat league, obviously we saw other teams pick up the Wildcat um, team's that are probably poised best to kind of roll out this scenario would be uh, the Niners, obviously Chicago, uh, possibly Denver, uh, New Orleans, and Las Vegas. Cody, what's your take on that? Man, as someone who just took Trey Lance in my dynasty, (laughs) or not in my dynasty, but my Blitz PPR league, he is going to be the one that ends them all, and they're all listening. So (laughs) shout out to y'all. I'm going to be the league champ this year. But uh, I took him as my fourth quarterback, just hoping that at some point he'd be able to come in for Jimmy G and get that rushing upside. So hearing that they're maybe thinking about playing both, 
the more experience you can get Trey Lance before I have to start him blindly, the better. But if I imagine that being in the red zone, rushing for touchdowns, yeah. things like that, he'd be an absolute weapon. Especially with Kittle out there. Normally, you'd think Kittle would be the scariest guy on that offense with the ball in his hands. But Trey Lance is one big boy. Yeah, He's not scared yeah. to lower that shoulder. Oh, yeah. But uh, another one I could think of uh, would be maybe the New England Patriots. I mean, I doubt yeah. it, but Belichick does like to be one step ahead. And, you know, that would be pretty scary having Cam Newton be your Wildcat quarterback too. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, you know, when you um, talked about that with analytics right there, you know what that told me about Shanahan? It's, mm. it's that we have talked on the show about – whether it's Andy Dalton going to be a placeholder for Fields or Cam Newton maybe being a placeholder for Mac Jones, that is a segue to me that Shanahan is new age or coming of age that says that I don't really care about whose feelings get hurt. I'm going to go with the science of this and the math of this. And therefore, if the analytics based on what our department says gives Lance us give a spot on this drive or in this game, that we're not going to worry about so-and-so's QB record out of the gate. We're going to go who gives us a best chance to win something. The bears should probably steal. So I I think it's a acclimation uh, for us to say like Shanahan is a new breed. He's not going to cater to an old guy's feelings or a new guy's sensitivity. He's going to go X's and O's, you know, who's going to win us games scoring touchdowns on offense. That's, that's my takeaway. It might, it might be, I might be too conspiracy theorist looking into it, but I, that's the vibe that I get, at least from a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, and, and you're not going to see it on teams with you know established quarterbacks, Russell Wilson's, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's, uh, more than likely not anyway. Um, you're going to see it on teams with you know these young rookie quarterbacks who have yet to fully grasp an NFL playbook uh, or the nuances of an NFL defense. And they have a veteran quarterback presence who's, you know, average ish. Uh, Derek Carr would be, you know, a little above average, but they can bring in Marcus Mariota to kind of mix it up a little bit there. So um, that's where I see this uh, analytic approach working. Um, and you know, we'll see, we'll see if uh, it's rolled out in the regular season and how far it goes from there. I, I mean, I think that that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would, I would love to see that on more teams. I, I mean, you know, who cares get, you know, if you got sitting there with two good quarterbacks or decent or, you know, get them out there. Uh, let me ask you guys, how much do you think that that like rotating because Dustin, you and I have talked about this once before, like, and it's been a while, but, you know, playing multiple quarterbacks, kind of like the running back, you know, alternating, you know, handoffs, but like on different downs and series and things like that. How, how much would that affect the, co- the the collectiveness of a team? I don't, if so long as it's the right dude who has the poise to do it, not just some raw player that was going to go muck things up. Uh, I think we've already seen it with the saints. So I think that if a coach knows how to do it right, like, yeah, I had to say it, Peyton does uh, with a hall of famer in the saddle of breeze that, yeah, no, it's, it's trickery. 
Uh, the two other dudes on, on this show, Cody and Wes, can attest that when the Vikings beat the Saints in the 2019 playoff game where Kyle Rudolph walked them off, the only offense whatsoever that team could generate was this gadget bullshit that Taysom Hill was doing. Only, to, only way they could move the ball at all against Zimmer's defense that afternoon was gadget stuff with Taysom Hill being a wide receiver, coming in, doing sweeps. It's, it's the only thing that caught us off guard. So it, it can be uh, fantastic, but you just I don't really know if you go do it with an established dude like Wilson who already does his own uh, analytics voodoo or Mahomes, so certainly it would be laughable to you know throw in some stiff to get tricky with the Chiefs offense. So I think if you have a guy that is in that second tier of quarterback and below, then yeah, why not why not try it up and throw it off? But the guy has to be ready for it. It can't be like you know some statue like Flacco coming in for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So let's and I have to bring this up and I have to go back to Denver here. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was somebody talking about that out there, and I know that that's not going to happen in Denver, but like let's use them as an example. And you had these two guys that kind of had the quarterback battle going on throughout training camp and uh, every other preseason game. What if what if you had a team like that, two two quarterbacks that were pretty familiar with the entire offense, and you're not going to substitute one in and out just because one is better at one thing than the other. You're just going to do it for the hell of it. <laughs> I mean, do you think that that would throw a defense off, even if you weren't going to change the playbook at all? Yeah, especially if they had contrasting styles. Like, right. uh, I'll use the Vikings. If Kellen Mond looked like gangbusters, then, yeah, you'd have this swift uh new sexy uh dude and then cousins who is like the dad quarterback <laughs> who who's got a very nice arm which mon doesn't really have yet or at least scouting reports say he doesn't and if a nice have, minivan yeah, yeah and the <laughs> minivan. awesome minivan yeah so if you have especially if they're contrasting styles now if you just have mac jones and then um sam darnold who gives a shit it's the same it's the same thing yeah. So, but yeah, if it's contrasting style, it would be a college feel and it happens in college. Alabama has been successful with quarterbacks. Like, what was it, it was another trip that we took Jason for, I think our LeBron trip to Minneapolis when that national championship was going on and Tua had to come in when most of the world didn't know who he was. And I think they won the national championship. Yeah. yeah. So it can work in football. You just got to figure mm-hmm. out if you're going to destroy egos while doing so. See, I, I do got to think that, uh, I want to point out Jimmy G whenever he was questioned about it. He seemed pretty cheerful whenever they were asking about the week one starting quarterback. Uh, if they go to about splitting up drives between the two quarterbacks, I think they're definitely doing it wrong. But whenever it comes to third and two, you know, maybe um, on the one yard line, you know, sh- short distance like that, you put in Trey Lance. I mean, you look at, all the teams around the league, the person they're probably most scared of on third down and two is probably Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. see it all the time. They're consistently going for that uh, oh. fourth down conversion. All you got to do to perfect this is study the Saints from the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Just sprinkle it in here and there. Everybody loves Trey Lance. Everybody yeah. loves Jimmy G. I think it could work great as long as it's just here and there, not multiple drives or games. I think that could right. really throw a hench in things. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it all depends on if you're winning too, you know? Yeah. They do have a cupcake schedule, 32nd ranked uh, quarterback schedule. I just saw that the other day. And mm. that's when I drafted Trey Lance. I was like, <laughs> Ooh. All right. Here's our uh, last segment. We'll go. I'm going to run through uh, West came up with coaches on the hot seat. And I agree with every single one of them, but I think one is left out. And I want to see if you guys can guess it. 
uh, on the hot seat for the 2021 regular season. It's Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears, Zach Taylor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys, Cliff Kingsbury, that one should be number one with the bullet, uh, with the Cardinals, Mike Zimmer with the Vikings, and Vic Fangio with the Broncos. I think there is one missing. Can you guys guess it? You guys want to talk it out loud? <laughs> okay, John so, Gruden. Nope. Yep. Whoever just was that you, Jason? Yep. John yeah. Gruden, yeah. Yeah. I think if they go something south, I mean, seven and ten should get them thinking. But if it was below that, I don't care how much guaranteed money he got, you can't keep doing this. Uh-huh. Yeah, because this is, is going to be his third or fourth year. It's fourth, isn't it? Twenty eighteen is when they made the Cleo Mac trade. Fourth or fifth? I feel like. Yeah, definitely getting up there. I think it's 18, 19. I think this will be the fourth. And I think he signed a 10-year deal. But we know the Raiders <laughs> do weird stuff. They probably aren't above or below saying, hey, just keep your 40 million. And we're going to start over. I mean, they used to fire yeah. coaches every year. Well, look what they did to their offensive line this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> just to take Alex Leatherwood in the first. Yeah. And then <laughs> out of the yeah. blue, just get rid of an offensive line that was like one of the good parts of their team. <laughs> was anybody else a big fan of Mike Mayock? Because whenever he was on mm-hmm. NFL Network, I was a huge yeah. fan. Like I really gave weight to what he had to say. But ever since he's been in uh, Las Vegas, <laughs> he's ruining it. He, he's so I don't know I, what's going on over there. I got to know him reading his stuff on CNNSI, and then when he got the job in Oakland, I was looking around, sick. Writers can get jobs like this. Wow! <laughs> yeah, well, I still want to. I still want to make calls over to to LA for see if the the Rams are willing to part with Sean McVay. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> our, our our coach trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For I'd a love first to see and a one second. of those again, and another one on the hot seat might be that Houston Texans head coach. You've seen organizations mishandled like that in the past. Yeah, he could, he could just be a bridge coach to get them through these muddy yeah. waters. In muddy waters, they are. Down That's there. A, wow. in a different. So I, I don't disagree with that. Don't get me wrong, but that's exactly in the NBA what I thought Brad Stevens was. What eight nine years ago, I thought that he was a fall guy to get them out of the the Garnett trade, and um, just kind of patched them over to where they wanted to be. And it turns out he's probably a top eight top five coach in the league. So yeah. I was wickedly wrong about him. We're going to be talking about Cully, the hall of famer a couple of years from now, if he gets him <laughs> out of this mess. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the ones that really scrape the bottom of the barrel for rosters are at the you know front runner in a bad way is Texans. Um, the lions, depending on if Campbell can deliver on being so weird, Man, then so intriguing. Yeah. But their roster comparatively, not very good. Uh, Jacksonville the roster, is iffy, and then uh, depending on your take on the Eagles, uh, those are the rosters that, I mean, you can look at the Lions roster and say, like, God, really, it, it's not too bad. But then when yeah. you stack it up against the opponents, uh-huh. it's inferior almost every single time, and that's where it'll get you. Yeah, their offensive line really isn't that bad. Uh, they no. got both their tackles and their centers now the highest paid in the league, I think. And then you got TJ Hawkinson who could block two and catch. Uh I am kind of intimidated by the first round picks, but history tells me that it, I shouldn't worry. <laughs> but I do like to say, to touch on Houston, I do like what they did this offseason. It has to be a record number of guys they brought in. And yeah. they had no loyalty on the depth chart to anybody. I mean, you see David Johnson open as a third running back on the team. You remember Mark that Ingram's week, the starter. That, that week in March, when uh, the first day of legal tampering, 
when every alert to your phone was either the Patriots or the Texans. Yes. Like, yeah. And you were waiting for your team to get on the fun. And it was like, oh, another tight end for the Patriots. And it was just a total bonanza. And the Patriots are going to whoop up on some people with Johnny Smith. We you talked about them yeah. last week. As a, a, <laughs> we, we tried to get around the definition of sneaky, and we said that they'll be a sneaky playoff participant uh, just because we have faith in Belichick and then whoever they figure out this quarterback and all these players back from the COVID opt-out. The Patriots shouldn't write the obituary on Belichick, and I, I actually think they're going to beat the, the Bucks in that Thursday night game or whatever it is. I think that's going to be Belichick's pride and joy for this season and he's going to want to find a way to beat Brady and there should be no other person on planet earth better to scheme him than his old boss well speaking of sneaky I do gotta say Mm -hmm. go go keep an eye on Giovanni Bernard and Devin Duvernay from the Ravens yeah thank thank me later perfect first (laughs) I had to be on record with the Devin Duvernay one because that's a reach fantasy or just in general uh fantasy but Devin Duvernay I mean he belongs he can play for the Ravens and everybody over there is hurt, so yeah. you'll see that guy. He'll he'll make a name for himself this year. But Giovanni Bernard, I think, is uh is gonna be the starting running back for the Buccaneers by the end of the year. That's running back hell for fantasy on that team. Oh my yeah, goodness. <laughs> Wes, do you <laughs> yes, want to say anything about hot seats before we conclude tonight? No, I think we covered it. Um another first year coach that might be on the hot seat, Nick Sirianni with Philly, he had uh, equally awkward um, <laughs> entrance as did uh, Gase. So um, I got I my eye on him. <laughs> uh, I'll elaborate, and then we'll be done on Kingsbury when I think he is at the leader of the pack for the hot seat business. And it's not because he's been a poor coach or that he has any of those weird qualities that we've spoke of. It's just that uh, he was supposed to be the the sensational college mind to bridge the gap between NCAA and NFL. And they even got rid of their first round pick the year before. So between he and Murray, this is the year that they must mature and at least make the postseason. I think if they make the postseason, then we'll see more of both of them in tandem. But I, I if it's another nine and eight, don't make the, the field of seven. I think they're going to examine the product and say, yeah, thanks for finding a way to bring Murray aboard, but we're going to find somebody who can actually win and get us to the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy that he'd be on such a short leash like that. You know, I mean, I figured the same as you, what, how any coaches get fired mid season. Oh, look at the list again. I think that there's a good chance that Mike McCarthy does. I don't think they're going to be bad. So I don't agree with that. No, I don't think they're going to be bad either, but if something happens Nagy. back, Nagy. Yeah, Nagy. Yep. Nagy, if the fields experiment doesn't start off well, I think that they, he's already on this extended hot seat. Um, yeah, I'd say normally uh, Zach Taylor, but Mike Brown notoriously has a slow hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Nagy got it. I thought three years ago he was he was a good up and coming. <laughs> he up was up and comer, and he was an up and coming offensive mind. Like I've said four times on the show already tonight, that yeah. doesn't put out a good offensive product. Well, yeah, so then it's they- like Leslie Frazier with the Vikings when he was uh-huh. a defensive coordinator. He was an up-and-coming defensive mind that didn't know how to coach defense, at least at a head coach level. Yeah, it looks like he didn't call very many plays in Kansas City because that offense doesn't look anything alike. That's the fear with the enemy. <laughs> Not That doesn't justify all those teams passing on him every single year, but to think that the enemy is going to be awesome just because Patrick Holmes is so good is a real reach. 
And we have a lot of Vikings fans that want the enemy. <laughs> no, he'd be cool because I, I would welcome it because of his ties back here. So it'd be poetic to bring him home and give him a shot. It's, but it's still a little nerve wracking. Well, I think <laughs> we don't know how much Andy Reid's doing it. I think the stars are aligning for it if this this year doesn't go the way Zimmer wants it. Um, oh, don't say that. <laughs> this is the first time. I never say Super Bowl, but I'm saying it this year. I'm saying it. I never say that. <laughs> no, neither do I because it's always instant screenshot, retweet, look what this moron said. <laughs> it happened to me. Yep. You, I don't oh, know. yeah, especially with you. That'll no, definitely you, take you, you down. Last, I'll tell you the story real quick. Uh, when I was writing for Viking Age, um, the editor there said, if you did an article about the ways that Kirk Cousins has been better than Aaron Rodgers as of late, he's like, I think it'd do real well. So I went through and found the statistical metrics in which Cousins had been better than Rodgers in the last five years. And up until last year, Rodgers was beginning a performance decline. It certainly didn't happen in 2020. So I found four metrics, whether I can't remember what they are now, deep passing, blah, 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 where Cousins was on par or better than Rodgers. Well, it got titled five ways that Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, oh, boy. And then my, full, my first five paragraphs were disclaimers that this is not a career achievement article. This is about areas where Cousins is actually comparable to Rodgers. And then Rodgers went out of the gate, you know, wins the MVP. And that was just retweeted around the world, freezing cold takes. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fun. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I, I remember I, I looked like this Vikings eternal homer. Yeah, I remember that's whenever I first saw your work and I started following you for those articles. And yeah. Then, uh, I also got hit with some of those freezing cold takes after the MVP. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, Where are you at now? The Falcons game? <laughs> I had some people come back and pull the receipts on that. Yeah, in, in the same week, I wrote one on the ways Dalvin Cook had been better than Aaron Jones. And then Cook was markedly better than Jones last year. And nobody retweeted that one. No screenshots of that <laughs> yeah. one. So. All right, gentlemen, it was a pleasure, Cody. Hopefully you... Are we going to spend the wheel? No, we don't have time. We've already gone oh. over the hour. So. <laughs> All it. right, gentlemen, All right. take it easy. All right, and- All right guys. All right. Peace. Yeah. You are watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.